I'm John Bosnecker, and my latest book is called Wildcat, The Untold Story of Pearl Hart, the Wild West's Most Notorious Woman Bandit. I began research on Pearl Hart about 15 or 20 years ago, and she was the West's uh, most notorious female bandit, as the subtitle of the book uh, describes. But very little factual information had been published about her. Uh, her real name, her real background, what led her to become a bandit. I wanted to find out the truth, and after a lot of uh, research, I managed to figure out who she was, uh, where she came from, and when and where she died. So this is all new material published for the first time about a really extraordinary woman of the American West and a very tragic story as well. This is the Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore. John Bosnecker, a San Francisco trial lawyer and former police officer, is the author of 11 books, including the New York Times bestseller, Texas Ranger, The Life of the Man Who Killed Bonnie and Clyde. In Wildcat, the untold story of Pearl Hart, the Wild West's most notorious woman bandit, uh, John Bosnecker brings together newly discovered records, genealogical sources, and his own historical expertise to uncover the real story of Pearl Hart. Well, let me ask you to start at the at the beginning. She was uh, Canadian. She was born in Canada, right? Yes, born in the North Woods of Ontario in what today we'd consider abject poverty, but for society back then, she was born in 1871. It was a pretty typical rural family, very poor, hand-to-mouth. The father worked as a uh, hired laborer, hunted and fished on the side to uh, provide food for the family, and uh, he had a large family of nine children, uh, seven daughters, all very beautiful, and Pearl Hart, who took that name later in life, her real name was Lily Davy. she was the second eldest daughter and uh, grew up in a fairly typical uh, household in this rural area, Lindsay, Ontario, Canada. It's interesting. I, I'm, I'm getting the, the drift of the changes you've made to the story as it's told online. I you know, went to Wikipedia and looked up uh, Pearl Hart and they say a lot of things differently about her growing up. I think one account was that she actually came from a wealthy family, but I guess that wasn't the case. No, absolutely not. And I caution everybody. I mean, Wikipedia, I love Wikipedia. I use it as much as anybody. But when it comes to Western outlaws and lawmen, which is my specialty, I would estimate that 75% of everything on Wikipedia is either outright wrong, misleading, or somewhat wrong. It's getting better. Dedicated people are trying to, you know, clean it up. But still, mm -hmm. Wikipedia is just um, not the way, you know, it's just not accurate. I, I hear from people all the time, they'll tell me, oh, I'm researching such and such a character from the Old West. And I'll ask them, oh, what kind of research are you doing? And they'll tell me, oh, I've been reading Wikipedia or I've been reading some of these internet websites, and, and I tell everybody, if you haven't had a close encounter with a rat in the basement of a courthouse somewhere, you're not doing proper research. <laughs> yes. Um, why do you suppose 
I mean, you're saying in particular about Western uh, characters, uh, the Internet often gets it wrong, or is that just the general uh, problem we have with the Internet? Well, it makes me a little nervous. My big other passion is uh, football, the kind that you actually play with your feet. And so when I read about players and teams and the English Premier League, for example, I wonder how accurate that is. Or when I read about politics or about uh, Lyndon B. Johnson or something. And and so those uh, topics I'm not really an expert on, so I don't know what's real. But the Old West, I've been, I, I wrote my first magazine article in 1968 when I was 15, and it's the one thing I've probably been decent or capable at in my life. And uh, so over the years, just by osmosis, a lot of this stuff eventually sinks into your brain. And so at least for Western outlaws and lawmen, a lot of what's online is just absolutely you know, fictitious, you know, fables. Mm -hmm. A lot of it comes from people who watch movies. And so the Old West is such an iconic and essential part of American history. And as a result, people, at least in the past and hopefully still today, have always loved Westerns and loved the excitement of the Old West. So a lot of these fictitious stories have worked their way into the Internet and in particular into Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. And so people, you know, they cling to their myths and legends. And so a lot of people won't like the book because they want the myth <laughs> and ideal, sort of like in uh, Steve McQueen in The Magnificent Seven. He said, we deal in lead, and in my case, I deal in facts. I see. Now, one thing I, I don't know, maybe it's a foolish thing to stop on, but you've used the word once or twice in the conversation, and it's in your title, you call a Pearl Hart a bandit. What is a bandit in terms, I mean, does that mean something specific to you that it doesn't mean to other people who haven't studied the Old West? Well, hopefully it's more of a generic term. A bandit, at least in the terms of the Old West, would be a highway robber, uh, some kind of uh, uh, highway highwayman. In her case, she was uh, one of the newspaper headlines called her "We Have a Highway Woman," because uh, when she was finally captured after a very daring stagecoach robbery in Arizona Territory, it made newspaper headlines throughout the country, and she became very notorious. So, a bandit. In her case, stagecoach robber. Now, you talked about her growing up in a, a tumultuous family in in Canada and, and then then she left and ended up in the in the west what, what how did that come come to be or what was the sequence of events there well my book begins with a you know incident that some of the editors at my publishing house thought was particularly disturbing but it begins with an attempted rape and the rapist is uh Albert Davy her father and uh, mm -hmm. subsequently, he was repeatedly arrested for fighting, drunkenness, uh, eventually uh, uh, you know, committed this attempted rape, and was sentenced to a term in the penitentiary in Ontario. And so it seems evident that the girls were uh, abused, probably by their father, because by a fairly young age, Pearl, or her real name was Lily, and her younger sister, Katie, ran away from home repeatedly. They would dress up as boys, and in one case they got across 
into New York. They went to Buffalo, New York, and got jobs working in a cigarette factory. This would be in the early 1880s. Uh, later, a few years later, they uh, ran away from home again and ended up in Minnesota and had all kinds of adventures. Um, there's even a, a wood engraving of them dressed up like boys, and they did that to ward off unwanted sexual advances. The girls were all very beautiful, and they uh, just almost, because there was no social safety net back then, right? I mean, these women uh, lived a domestic life. They worked on the farm. They they worked next to their brothers and fathers tilling the soil. And, uh, you know, if they were lost their homes, which in this case happened with Pearl Hart, they turned to prostitution. And, and Pearl and her sisters all worked at various times in their early years as prostitutes, both in Canada and in the United States. And so she went to several places in, in the United States, but ultimately to uh, Arizona? Uh, correct. She ended up, she got into a very abusive marriage. Uh, she later said that her husband, whose name was Daniel Bandman, uh, got her hooked on uh, morphine, which was the very common drug in that era. And also she got hooked on uh, opium and eventually kicked the habit. Uh, but uh, she and Bandman ended up in Phoenix, where she again went to work in a brothel. And then eventually, according to her story, which may or may not be true, she wanted money to get back to her mother. And that was the motivation for holding up a stagecoach. And she did so, hold up the stagecoach, in the company of a man, right? And who was he? Well, his name was Joe Boot. And I've got a couple of images of him in the book. Um, he, I've never been able to figure out his real name. That was, he admitted that that was an alias. He was supposedly a shoemaker from Chicago who ended up in one of these remote mining camps in, um, Arizona, which is where Pearl, uh, met him in Globe, Arizona. And, uh, the two were out of money. They were working an old mining claim. Uh, Pearl had been working as a prostitute in a tent brothel. Uh, along the river and eventually gave that up and decided she wanted to return to her mother. And she also uh, uh, said that she had two children, which, uh, as far as I was able to tell, were being raised by her younger sister. When, what year was the, the stagecoach robbery? 1899. And wasn't that kind of late for a stagecoach robbery or, or no? Well, that's another myth. Uh, there's a very popular myth that you'll find all over the Internet that Pearl Hart robbed the last stagecoach uh, in America. And in fact, uh, the last stagecoach robbery in the United States, at least in the western United States, took place at Jarbidge, Nevada in 1916. So those <laughs> stories are off by almost two decades. And maybe to answer the question a little bit more specifically, Arizona Territory did not even have a railroad train until 1880, 1881. So by 1899, there were two railroads that entered, one into southern Arizona, one into northern Arizona. But the only uh, 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 transportation was on stagecoach and wagon roads. There were no paved roads until after World War One. Uh, well after World War One in Arizona. And so the way people got around was by wagon, horseback, and by mm -hmm. stagecoach. So stagecoaches were the primary method of travel 
at least up till 1910 or so, because the early automobiles just couldn't handle those rough western roads. We're talking with John Bosnecker about his uh, latest book, Wildcat, The Untold Story of Pearl Hart. Uh, tell us, uh, describe the robbery that she and Joe Boot pulled off. Well, they planned it pretty carefully. There's a very remote uh, area near what's called today Riverside, um, which is in the area south, probably 40 miles south of Globe, Arizona. The stagecoaches brought passengers, uh, payrolls for the mines, and shipped uh, gold and silver out of the mines. And so stagecoach robberies had been uh, common in Arizona beginning in the late 1870s. Matter of fact, it was a stagecoach robbery outside of uh, Tombstone, which led to the gun f- so-called gunfight at the OK Corral. Um, Wyatt Earp, his main uh, conflict with a huge gang of outlaws called the Cowboys, was triggered by a stagecoach robbery in which the Cowboys robbed a coach and killed uh, the driver and a passenger. So stagecoach robberies are very, very common in Arizona territory, as well as many areas of the American West. So in this case, uh, Pearl and uh, Joe Boot uh, took up a position in a remote canyon. Uh, It's no longer, there's still remnants of the old stage road are still there. And as the stage came along, it was a fairly standard stagecoach holdup. They uh, uh, stepped out with their uh, rifles and pistols, uh, Pearl was dressed like a man, which is almost unheard of back then. Uh, you, you'll get me off on a tangent here, but one thing about Western films that drives me crazy is that people think that cowgirls uh, riding around with skin-tight blue jeans and low-slung Buscadero holsters, uh, it, it just didn't happen. And this is why Pearl Hart was an instant media sensation because the public had never seen photographs of a woman wearing pistols and holding a rifle, wearing a Stetson hat and, and jeans tucked into boots. Women did not wear men's clothing. Matter of fact, most communities had laws against cross-dressing, and if women ventured out in men's clothing, they were subject to being arrested. So... Mm-hmm. She was dressed like a man. She acted like a man. She smoked cigarettes and other things that weren't good for her health, obviously. And they uh, held up uh, the passengers. There was no Wells Fargo box on the stagecoach. If there was, and it had any valuables in it, it would have been guarded by what was called a shotgun messenger. So they were fortunate because the shotgun messengers did not surrender for the most part. They generally fight. And in this case, they um, didn't really get much out of the express, but they did uh, get guns and valuables of four or $500 from the passengers. And then they waved the stagecoach on. And so it was a fairly routine robbery, except it was one of the uh, maybe two or three incidents in the Old West in which a woman was actually involved mm-hmm. in a robbery. In this case, a woman led, she was the leader and organized the robbery and made all the decisions, not Joe Boot. And and then they were pursued by the lawmen. Yes, there was a, a long manhunt through the high desert. Uh, they managed to, uh, they had obtained horses, and they were trying to get to the uh, uh, railroad uh, depot in Benson, 
which is where the spur line for Tombstone went off the Southern Pacific Railroad tracks. This is in southern Arizona. So they were trying to get south so she could get to the railroad and then uh, beat her way back uh, to the east uh, or to the Midwest where her mother was living. They were captured? Yes. They finally, a very capable lawman with a small posse, uh, got onto their trail and uh, managed to finally capture them in camp. They had were so exhausted, Pearl and Joe Boot uh, were sleeping when the lawmen suddenly pounced on them and managed to uh, capture them without firing a shot. And so then uh, Pearl Hart was brought in, and uh, when they found out she was a woman, the, the newspapers just went crazy over the story. Yes, I mean, I, I gather that. Uh, and she was held in Tucson? Is that where she was in prison? Both Tucson and in Florence. And when she was in Tucson, um, the very famous lawman named Bob Paul, who was actually the shotgun messenger on the stagecoach robbery that I described, uh, he was a close friend of uh, Wyatt Earp and his brothers. He was at that time the undersheriff of uh, uh, Pima County. And so he was in charge of Pearl. And she was kept in the Tucson jail. Uh, Bob Paul was a very hard-nosed lawman. He started in the California Gold Rush. He'd been a lawman for you know five decades at this point, from the early 1850s onward. Uh, but he had a soft spot. He had daughters the same age as Pearl. Uh, he put her up in a private room in the courthouse. He didn't put her in the jail with all the criminals. And uh, which is a big mistake because uh, Pearl Hart uh, seduced a trustee who was a prisoner who was sort of trusted to do odd jobs around the jail and the courthouse. And uh, she gets him to break her out of the jail, which uh, is a successful breakout. And then once again, uh, Pearl Hart's on the lam. And again, it makes newspaper headlines throughout the country that this unbelievable woman outlaw has now escaped. And so she flees uh, into New Mexico, has quite a few adventures, and finally gets captured by another famous lawman named George Scarborough, uh, who was uh, one of the lawmen mixed up with, uh, if anybody is familiar with the great gunfighters of El Paso, John Wesley Hardin, uh, George Scarborough, and Jeff Milton was another one. They were all very famous lawmen. And so this is one of Scarborough's most famous captures. Mm -hmm was when he caught uh, Pearl Hart and Joe and, and uh, uh, Ed Hogan was the name of the guy that she escaped with and uh, brought them back and lodged them in the Tucson jail. Mm. And when she's in the, these jails in Arizona, she's talking to reporters or kind of building her own story? Uh, exactly. She wasn't shy about uh, talking to reporters. Matter of fact, uh, Cosmopolitan which uh, even then was the leading women's uh, magazine in the United States, sent a couple of correspondents in, and they interviewed her, and she gave a very long account of her life, uh, about, eh, it's about two-thirds true and about a third uh, uh, fantasy. And, uh, then, and they took photographs of her, and these photographs just went viral, to use our modern term, uh, photographs of her uh, carrying her weapons. Bob Paul, 
uh, even allowed her to be photographed with, uh, he unloaded the weapons, of course, but allowed her to be photographed holding a rifle and wearing pistols just as she looked during her stage robbery. She ended up at a prison called Yuma or the Yuma prison? Yeah, exactly. And Yuma prison was probably still is the most notorious prison of the Old West, uh, located, you know, in the desert, not far from the Mexican border in, you know, southern Arizona. And there she had even more adventures. Uh, it's kind of hard sometimes to separate uh, fiction from fact because the convicts later told a lot of stories about her and convicted felons are generally not the best um you know, uh, uh, source for accuracy. If you'll commit an armed robbery, you'll probably tell a white lie about Pearl Hart. So uh, it's kind of difficult to tell exactly what she did, but she was by far the most famous prisoner ever lodged in Yuma. To this day, uh, there was a, uh, there's a, a display about her in the Yuma Prison Museum. Uh, the curators are often asked questions, and one of the curators I was talking to uh, last year uh, told me she was pulling her hair out because she had a group of high school students looking at the photos of Pearl Hart. They have a gun that was reportedly belong, uh, owned by Pearl Hart. And the young uh, girl, high school girls uh, asked her, well, what, why was she in Yuma? And the curator said, well, she was a stage robber. And uh, they said, what's that? And she said, oh, a, a person who robs stagecoaches. And they said, what's a stagecoach? Mm -hmm. And so then the poor curator had to, like, go back and sort of reinvent the wheel. But it, it tells you that, uh, to the, to, at least to the older generation, everybody knows what a stage robber is. Evidently, not so much for the younger generation. No, or depending on what kind of movies you've watched over the years. Correct. <laughs> yeah. um, but, and then eventually she's pardoned by a, a governor. I'm not even sure of what state the governor would be in. Yeah, Arizona Territory. So the Arizona didn't become a state until 1912, so this is still a territory. But it's the territorial governor uh, who's appointed by the president. Uh, uh, and so uh, finally there's many stories that she got pregnant and, and, is not, and, and that she was released uh, to avoid a big scandal. But the problem is the guy that supposedly got her pregnant was released a year and a half before she supposedly got pregnant, so maybe it was immaculate conception or something. I'm not sure, but uh, there's just no basis to that story. But I think uh, it was principally because they had uh, very, they had just two uh, cells. So Yuma Prison, uh, many of the cells were carved out of the rock at the base uh, or the, the sort of the shoreline of the Colorado River which runs right through or next to Yuma. And so in two of these basically rock caves, which were, um, you know, chopped out of the rock and then iron bars attached to the front of them, they had two of these cells to house about six women. And apparently the women convicts, some of them were in there for murder and other pretty serious crimes, because in the Old West, women were generally not punished you know, if a woman was charged with murder in a domestic uh, uh, violence incident or something, mm -hmm. all she had to do was prove that she was an abused spouse, and, and juries of men would rarely mm -hmm. convict women of anything. But the women that were in Yuma had all committed very pretty serious crimes, 
And so they were apparently fighting with each other. There was a couple of outbreaks of disease, and they felt that they just didn't have the um, the uh, resources to keep uh, this number of women convicts, even though there were hundred, three or I believe three or four hundred, as I mm-hmm. recall, ma- male convicts. The prisons that weren't just they weren't equipped for women in that era. So that's the reason okay. why she was um, pardoned on the grounds that she leave Arizona Territory, at which mm. she did. And um, we're getting near the end of our time uh, together. W- what happened to her? She had a long life after that. And she, uh, once she got out of prison, she was very diligent about trying to hide her history. She did get arrested a couple of times for sort of minor uh, things. She had a lot of adventures in Kansas City where her parents had moved, or her mother and her sisters had moved to. And eventually she ended up in Los Angeles uh, living with her grandchildren, uh, living a very quiet life. The home that she died in in 1934 is still standing in East L.A. So, uh, and, and nobody knew who she was until I started pulling my hair out and doing all this research and kind of figured out and unraveled the whole story. There was a film sort of inspired by her, or Duel in the Sun? Yes, the the, the film Duel in the Sun starring Gregory Peck and uh, Jennifer Jones. It was based on Pearl Hart, Niven Bush, the famous uh, screenwriter from Hollywood, later told the story about how he was on a trip through El Paso and he read an obituary of a a guy who had been an attorney and had once represented a woman stage robber named Pearl Hart. And Bush said he was flabbergasted. He'd never heard of a woman uh, uh, bandit before. And that's what prompted him to write the story. And the final product, of course, has absolutely no relationship to the Pearl Hart story, other than the fact that he he took the heroine and changed her name to Pearl Chavez, and that was about oh. the only only similarity. Yeah. But but it's kind of interesting how that story inspired uh, Duel in the Sun, which is one of the most popular films of that era, 1940s. Do you know where she's buried? Yeah, she's buried in a, a cemetery. I tell about it in my book in uh, Los Angeles County. And when getting back to the original stagecoach robbery. They never really hurt anybody, did they? And they robbed people on the stagecoach. But it, in a way, it's hardly the crime of the century. Uh, it, it was a very much a run-of-the-mill stagecoach robbery. There were, you know, in California alone, there were over 400 stagecoach robberies uh, between 1856 and the early, you know, about 1910 or so, 1912. And Arizona Territory, because it had a much uh, smaller population, had a lot less stage robberies, but there were still scores of stagecoach robberies in Arizona Territory. And this was a very much a run-of-the-mill robbery. It still created a local sensation because uh, stagecoach robbery was a, you know, a serious offense, and usually they were committed by outlaw gangs who did other uh, they didn't just rob one stagecoach. They generally robbed multiple and robbed uh, travelers and wagons and, you know, held up uh, stores and that kind of thing. But here, the fact that a woman uh, led the robbery and uh, was clearly the leader, the newspaper reporters interviewed both 
Pearl and Joe Boot and uniformly said that she was the brains of the operation, she was the leader, and she had a very big personality, and that's what really captured the public's uh, fascination. John Bosnecker is author of Wild Cat, the untold story of Pearl Hart, the Wild West's most notorious woman bandit. Uh, you were, uh, at one point, uh, a police officer? Uh, yes, from 1974 to 1982. That, how has that impacted your work? Um, it makes me, uh, you know, knowledgeable about the criminal justice system. It's always been, and I wanted to be a police officer since I was a little boy, and uh, it was something that eventually led me into becoming an attorney. And then writing about the Old West is something that was, a, you know, an interest of mine since uh, my boyhood as well. So I think it's given me an insight into both people and, uh, you know, criminal minds, you know, law enforcement, the judicial system. So mm-hmm. it sort of helped me understand what I'm writing about. Thank you, John Vosnecker, for joining us. You've been listening to The Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore.